What makes us good is God. His blood covered us, forgave us our sins, cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through a series on the Holy Spirit. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. If you have been born again, you can lead a person to Christ. If you've been baptized, you can baptize somebody. If you've been filled with the Spirit, you can lay hands on somebody and ask God to fill them with the Spirit. What we receive from God, that we give. And so this is what Paul is saying here. I delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same manner, he took the cup after saying, this is the cup of the covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you do this and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Or literally, you preach the Lord's death till he comes. Now, why is that important? Well, Jesus, in that upper room, this dinner, he said, how I've longed to uh, eat this with you. And he holds up the bread and he breaks it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I really love that. You know, the idea of transubstantiation. Now, some of you say, what in the world is that? That's a big word. Well, some groups actually believe that, uh, that the bread actually physically changes from a carbohydrate to a protein and becomes Jesus's meat, his body. I don't find that in the scripture anywhere. Or the cup, the, 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 the grape juice, it, it, it changes from, from grape juice to Jesus' physical blood. Even Jesus himself said that isn't what's happening. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he breaks the bread and he passes it around. And then he takes the cup and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. And so he never said, he never said, he didn't snap a thumb off and say, here, pass this around and chew on it a little bit, everybody. That's my body. He didn't cut his wrist and drain it into a cup and say, okay, now here, here, pass it around. No, he was speaking symbolically. Jesus, all the way through his ministry, referred to himself as that he was the bread of life that came down from heaven. What did the children of Israel eat when they were in the wilderness? They ate manna, this bread that came down from heaven, and it was there every day for them. And God said on the Sabbath, pick up a double portion on the day before the Sabbath, and that way you you can take a rest. God always provided what they needed. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is the bread of life. Now, Peter tells us in verse 2, 
in chapter 2, he says that he was wounded and he was, the Bible says uh, that by his stripes were healed. And we need healing. All of us in this room, everyone listening, we need healing. You might say, well, I feel fine. I don't have a cold. I don't have flu. No, no. We need healing. We're very complex beings. I don't know if you've ever realized how complex we really are. How many people have had this happen to them? I can speak because I, I know this. There's nothing physically wrong with you at all. But you lay your head down on your pillow at night and you can't sleep. Why is that? Well, my brain won't shut off. I keep thinking about the events of the day or the things I've got to do tomorrow. Have you ever had something you had to do and you lay your head down on your pillow at night and you, you, you work on the house or whatever it is all night long in your sleep and you get up and you're tired and you never did anything and then you have to still go out and do what you were dreaming about? Isn't that weird how complex we are? We're a body, we're a mind, and we're a spirit. Now, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you must be born again. It wasn't an option. It was a requirement. Why? Why do we have to be born again? What's a born again stuff you always hear about Christians talking about? Something is wrong with humanity. I don't think you have to live very long to realize there's something really wrong with the way people are. Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Why is that? Because the spirit of man died in the garden. There was something that happened. God says the day you eat of the tree is the day you die. Physically, they didn't die. That didn't happen for Adam until another 900 and something years. But the Bible says something did die, and that was his spirit. And that's why Jesus said we must be born again. Now, when you're born again, what happens is God comes and lives inside of us again. And we have communion. We have fellowship with God. That's why it's so important that we become born again. Because you have a personal relationship with God. Not a, not a relationship in, so to speak, religion of rules and regulations. You know, I really, truly never understood that verse completely. Where Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. I never really understood it until I had a little girl. And my little girl would come up and sit in my lap. And she was just happy being there in my lap. It wasn't pretentious. It wasn't, any, and she didn't come, oh, daddy, how I, how I love you. I just want to tell you how much I love you. Oh, daddy, how I love you. I don't tell you how much I love you. She, she, you'd look at her like she was crazy, and she'd look at you expecting that. You'd crazy. It's that personal relationship, that which was lost in the garden. We go back to, and people say oftentimes, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And, people, and, and somehow in the religious jargon, we've lost that. But what does it mean? It means just as you have a relationship and a friendship with somebody that you, you know and love, you would have that same relationship with God. Because God doesn't want to be known as some far off, unknowable a godly entity beyond the stars. He wants to be our personal Lord and Savior. That's what's so amazing about this. And you can take anything as, as beautiful and simplistic as a relationship with God and complicate it with religion to the point where you don't even know who God is anymore. Well, the Corinthian church had done that. 
They were coming together as a group, but they no, no, no longer understood why they were coming together. And they had changed the Lord's Supper into a drunken party. This is why Paul addresses this so clearly here. And so he reminds them of what the original Last Supper was about, where Jesus was in the upper room and he took the cup with his disciples and he broke bread with them. Now, again, the reason, why, by the way, in, in, in um, biblical theology, this is what's called first occurrence. And whenever you find something in the Bible, you always like to look at what's called first occurrence. It gives you a little better understanding of what to expect when God does something. Uh, such is the case uh, of uh, being filled with the Spirit. And we, uh, we look at being filled with the Spirit. First occurrence, where is that? Acts chapter 2. That's when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. God filled them with boldness. Peter, who was a person who would deny and start cussing and swearing that he didn't know the Lord. Now he was fired up. Uh, he stands up and talks to all these people about that. That's first occurrence. First occurrence here is, and Paul brings them to that, what the original communion was about. We call this the Lord's Supper. And he says, for often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Again, we're complex beings, friends. We need to be healed. Peter says, by his stripes we're healed. What do you need God to heal in your life today? Your memories? Your ability to love? Your ability to be loved? Maybe those yucky feelings that you get? You don't realize, again, as I said earlier, you don't, we don't realize how complex we are. Where Our body can be so physically tired, we can hardly stand up, yet we lay our head on the pillow and we can't sleep because our mind won't let our body get the rest that it needs because we're a complex being. That's where we need healing. Do you know God knows about that? Do you know God provided a way for that, for you to be healed? for me to be healed. See, we, we don't realize this. This is something that religion will never do. All the mantras, all the Lord's prayers, all the Hail Marys, all that stuff will never, ever, ever, ever heal you inside. It's a direct work of the Holy Spirit to come and heal us. We need to be healed. And you know, it's funny, you can have one area of your life in disarray and how badly it affects all the other areas of your life. So what does God do? He provides a way through communion that we can be healed. In fact, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do you know it's the only prescribed Bible thing that we have to physically remember Jesus by? You know, a lot of people say, well, there's Jesus on the cross. You know, the little crucifix. Or they have, you know, the little statues or all these. The Bible tells us the only physical thing that God ever gave us to remember him by was a special dinner that was really reflective of what happened back when Moses was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt when they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the death angel passed over didn't affect any of the children of Israel, killed the firstborn of all the land of Egypt, even Pharaoh's own son. Pharaoh was so, so disgruntled and heartbroken, he, he literally expelled the children of Israel out of him. He says, get out. And they left. 
And as they left, and by the way, the blood of the lamb was on the door. The rest of the lamb they ate. The rest of the lamb was in them. You have the blood of Jesus on the door and you have Jesus inside of you. And along with the million or so children of Israel that left Egypt, there was probably a million or so lambs inside of them that left too. God living in them. Well, here we find this special commemorative dinner. For as often as you eat the bread, drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, here's the thing. I was raised in church for so many years that was said, are you worthy? You know, and I I remember getting beat in church pretty bad. Like I say, some of you guys were raised in the bars. I was raised in church, and my stories are weirder than yours. Why is that? Because the fact of the matter is, any time we move our focus from God to ourselves, we're in trouble. Because if we look inside of us, what do we find, friends? Failure. We're all bozos on this bus. Paul said, no good thing dwells in the flesh. Have you lived long enough to figure that out? That even when you're doing good, you're thinking, am I doing this because I love you, God? Or is I'm looking around to see if everybody sees how much good stuff I'm doing? The focus always goes back to God. Now, yeah, we have to examine ourselves sometimes to find out what's lighting our fire. But the focus is always God. Are you worthy enough to have communion today? Are you worthy? Have you done enough penance? Have you crawled up enough broken glass on the Sistine Chapel on your bare knees to merit your goodness? (laughs) That's not what makes us good. What makes us good is God. His blood covered us, forgave us our sins, cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Now he's saying, you come together, You have a a dinner, a guppy meal. You have communion. Turns into a drunken party. He said, you need to really examine why you're even having communion. You know, when when God provides for us, by his stripes we're healed. And if I take that bread and I go, oh, what a dead ritual. We just do this the first Sunday of every month. I eat the cracker. Oh, I feel so good. No, when I realize what that is, God, this is a a symbol of you wanting to heal me in whatever it is that I am lacking at this moment, in this church, at this time, I ask you to heal me. And we partake of the bread. And that, supernaturally, God does his thing. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Again, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The reason we have communion is a step of faith saying, God, I want to be healed. I believe by your stripes we're healed as I partake of this bread, whatever it is that I need you to touch. And again, friends, it's not necessarily always our bodies. It's the way we think. It's the way we dream. It's what we think about others. It's our ability, again, to love or to be loved. All these things were complex. God, you need to just do your work inside of me. And as we have the cup, well, I'm worthless. I'm a worm. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Kind of mentality. God says, no, you're valuable. I died for you so that you could live. And so... He says, therefore, 
If you eat of the bread, drink of the cup, in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. God provided a way we can be healed. But listen, if I blow it off, if I just think it's a dead ritual, do I expect to have God do anything when I have communion? No. What do I want to do when I have communion? I want to say, okay, God, understanding by your stripes I'm healed. This bread represents your body, and so I ask you to heal me. Whatever you need here today is here for you. So let God heal you this morning. It said, let a man examine himself so each one eats the bread and drinks of that cup. Because whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, we stay sick because we didn't realize the medicinal reason we have communion. I went to church for many, many years and I had bread and I had the cup. And friends, the thing is, I, I always understood the cup was, was for um, Jesus' blood. But the bread I was a little foggy on. And have you ever noticed the bread is always broken up and it's got little sharp edges on it and stuff? I, I look at it sometimes the way I am inside. Uh, sometimes I got a nice smooth, but sometimes there's those points that stick out. And I realize that God wants to wants to, for you and me, heal us. You got a God that loves. You got a, a, a heavenly father that loves you. This morning, I just want God to bless you, restore you, heal you, fill you with his spirit, cause you to see into the future in life. See, that's what stops us from doing the bad things that we've all done. Again, if you saw the end at the beginning, whatever path you were going down, people say, boy, if I knew it was going to turn out like that, I'd have never done that. Exactly. God says, okay, you're going to start a life in the spirit. You're going to start a life in faith. And I'm going to show you into the future what's all. Why do you think so much of the Bible is prophecy? One third of the Bible is prophecy. Two thirds have already been fulfilled. One third yet remaining. Why do you think God does that? To let you know, God knows the future. You know, what, what is so unbelievable, when you read Revelation and you see the Bible talks about the whole world will be able to see these two prophets dead in the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, up to just a, a couple, maybe 50, 20, 25, 50 years ago, that would have been impossible you know, somebody would write down on a clay tablet real fast and, okay, now jog to the next town and make copies. And no, the, it, it, it says they're only dead for three days and the whole world sees it. Satellite communications. Right now, a, an event can go on. It's on our television sets around the world. Amazing. Just what the Bible says. The Bible also says you're not going to be a buy or sell unless you have the mark, the name, or the number on your hand or on your forehead in Revelation 13. Do you, do you think the idea of buying and selling with numbers 100 years ago made sense? Of course not. But now that's the way everybody, we have a credit card. Just imagine. Well, you know, you can lose your credit card. You know that little chip now that you have to have in your credit card? A lot of times you, they won't let you swipe anymore. Just imagine, let's just put the chip in you. And then, then you won't even have to have a credit card. No more theft. Just think about it for a minute. It's going to sell. But the Bible says that in taking the mark, you sell out to the world system. 
And see, that's why the Bible lets us know events in the future that are happening now. Jesus said, Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles to the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. When Jesus said that, it was under Roman control and completely obliterated in 70 AD. Yet Jesus made this ridiculous prophecy that Jerusalem someday would be completely under the control of the Gentiles. It is today. Just exactly what Jesus said. Why does God tell us the future? So God says to you and me, hey, I know what's going to happen. You're in me you're safe. This morning, I just want you to know that. If you eat and drink of a cup in an unworthy fashion, why would you think anything that we do here would benefit you, since you don't really realize what it's all for? That's why he says, examine not you personally, but how do you view this time of communion where God wants to do something supernaturally in your life and heal you? He said, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest when you come together for judgment... And the rest I will set in order when I get there. The point is, is this, this morning as we have communion. I just want you, as you hold the cup in your hand, just realize Jesus died for me. I'm a somebody, okay? And when you hold the bread in your hand, God, this thing that I always worry about, please take it away from me. Let me just find myself in you. It's for your healing here today. If we miss if we, if we misunderstand what this is for, we can turn it into a dead orthodoxy religion. We can turn it into a meaningless spiritual event. Or it can be that which brings life to you today. And so I would just encourage you today, as you walk in faith, as you step out in faith, if you're not a Christian, we're going to pray. Because communion really is meaningless if you're not born again, because you're still serving yourself. You're still going to live your life and end up dead with no eternal reward and punishment. So we're going to pray right now. If you want to accept Christ as your Savior, and you say, Lord, I I want my life to change. I don't want to live the way I've lived anymore. You pray right now, and we'll just see what God will do. Just repeat this. Mean it from your heart. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I know I've lived my life without you. And I'm not happy. And so I ask you from this day forward. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me. And so I ask you now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your business. And Lord, help me walk by faith each day. And thank you for everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, 
you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.